0: want to jump in the message uh, today we're in part two of our series called go um, and there's a reason for the the topic right now and I mentioned a little bit last week is that as a church um, you you have a couple seasons during the year where you have surges of growth and we're we're in a surge right now it actually starts right now in August when everybody comes back and they get back in school how many parents are glad that kids are back in school come on somebody (laughs) all right You know, my kids are all grown, but I mean, I I hear that from parents. I've heard it probably three or four times this week, man, this is a great week. I said, really, why? Kids are going back to school. (laughs) I thought, okay, we'll just leave that alone, all right. But but as a church, we have these growth moments, and it's important for us to focus in on what that means for us and and give our attention to, if you will, the things that will help us to grow. And, and here's here's the thing, God isn't interested necessarily in a number, but He is interested in people. God is interested in every person in Sarpy County and in this area. And so somewhere, somehow, through us, may God reach as many people as possible. And so this whole series that we're talking about is helping us to focus our attention on why we're here. And so that's what we're talking about, go. so. There's three things that matter to us as a church most. I mean, these are the things that we hope to see happen. We have this vision, and it's discover, grow, influence. And let me just break that down real quick. Discover is where it all starts. In other words, we believe that the primary purpose of us as a church to be here is that we would help as many people as possible to have a personal relationship with God, to know God that we, we would be here for that very purpose. And so maybe even today as you're here, you're like, well, I'm just checking it out. I, well, I'll just let you know up front, we hope that you would know God. We would hope that you would have a personal encounter with the living God and it would change everything about who you are as a person, about your family, about your marriage, about everything you're part of, that it would do that. And so discover to know God personally. The second thing that we hope that happens is that you would grow. That you would grow up and, you know, and matter of fact, just look at the person next to you and say, I hope you grow up. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a great statement to get started with, right? Some of you have been, again, waiting for you. You always look forward to the moments I encourage you to do these things because you get to say the things that you never get to say, right? But that you would grow up in Christ. And, and for us, that's very specific. And here's what that means is we want you to find freedom. We want you to find freedom. And, and I think there's a reality that all of us are part of, and that is we all have junk. We all have stuff. We, ha- we all have things that have become part of who we are by choices, by the way we, was ra- we were raised. I mean, we just have stuff because of our sinful nature. I mean, you don't, you don't have to go too far. And all of a sudden, we have stuff. And, and so when you find a personal relationship with God, the next step, in, and it takes a while, is that I would find some freedom, and the more freedom I find, the more fulfillment I find. And so our hope is that you would grow in that. And by the way, the primary way that that happens is in life groups. This isn't the primary place for you to find freedom. We'll, we'll talk about it, and things will happen in the text of the scriptures and things like that that we discuss, but the primary way to find freedom is in the closeness of, a cont- of the context of a small group or a life group. And so this month, we're, we're kicking that off and having sign-ups, we'll talk more about that. So to grow, to find freedom from all the junk. But the last one, and this is kind of the, 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 so the starting point is discover, to know God, to grow, to find freedom. But at the end of it is that I would find a place of influence. In other words, I was made for a purpose. I was, I was made to make a difference, and that's our thought with that, is that you would find that significant place of influence, that thing that God made you to do that only you can do. That it would happen that somehow, some way, you would get in that place, and you could wear the T-shirt that said, I was made for this. I, this is why I'm here. I mean, that that God would so stir it in your heart that says, I'm going to make a difference in the world, not about me, but all about him, because I have a personal relationship. I've found freedom from the junk, and now I'm in a place of influence to make a difference. And so that's our hope for us as a church, for every one of you, every person in this room today, and the people that are yet to be in this room tomorrow or next week or whenever. That's the dream. That's what we're hoping to see happen. And as a result, here's the equals mark or the the sum total. That that all put together is live life full. Matter of fact, let's just shout that, can we? One, two, three. Live (laughs) life full. All right. That's that's why we're here. And so, so this series is all about trying to make that a reality, to make a difference in the world, to go. And so... Here's what happens. Many times we we lose touch with why we're here as a church. And really, what happens is we just forget. Anybody ever forget anything in here? Right. right, Somebody forgot to raise your hand. You just (laughs) (laughs) you forget, right? You forget things. You know, you forget maybe your first love. I mean, that's forget. You can forget that that what it felt like to first have a relationship with Christ. You can forget a passionate moment that God revealed to you about why you're here. You can forget that. And so we're hoping that we can come back and remember that, what God is actually doing. Or, or we get distracted, and I think that happens too. Is We, just we, we lose our focus because we get distracted, and, and it's easy. I always tell everybody in the staff there's three things that are basically in the category of distractions that are the big ones. They are boys, girls, <laughs> and money. Those are usually the three things that get you more distracted than anything else as you get lost in that. You get lost in the busyness or the the sidetrack, if you will, of those things. Not to say anything; of those things are bad in and of themselves, but when they get me away from the purpose of why I'm here, then it becomes that. And so so we forget. So in this series, we're we're talking about go. we're, We're taking a closer look at some of the go statements of Jesus, specifically those that are connected to making a difference in the world. And so we're reminding us, if you will, we're reminding us of the responsibility and the overwhelming opportunity, the awesome invitation that God has given you and I to be a part of such a big story as the redemption story of humanity. We're we're reminding ourselves of that in this series. And so our key text is Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations, baptizing them, which is a very important word. I'll we'll, we'll mention that in just a se- word, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, what does "go" mean? What's what's, what's that mean when it says "go"? Right? What's what's "go"? And, and simply, it's this: is is make a move. It's make a move. I mean, do something. I mean, it's it's action. It's an action word. It's it's something that is connected to movement. That I'm going to make a move. That's. That's the first thought about go. Here's here's another thought, is that you have a cause. When Jesus says go to you and make disciples, he's actually saying your reason for being is this reason, this cause. You have a cause. Another thought about go is it's kind of this idea, and this is the negative side of it, is don't stop or settle. Don't stop or settle. One of the things that I've watched happen over the years in different people's spiritual journey is they get to a certain point where they feel like they know the story, they've done the song, and they've been to church, and they just kind of settle. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. I don't see that anywhere in the story of God that I would ever stop. I'm hoping that when I'm 80 or 90 or 100, or if the Lord gives me that, that I would still be moving. I would still be going. I would still pursue what God has for me and never, ever, ever stop or settle for something less. That's part of go. And then here's, I think, a big part of it. It's the go and make disciples of all nations is really all about people discovering their identity. And it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Really, it isn't a ominous, ominous, God save your soul. You know, it's not like a pronouncement, right? That's not what it's about. What it's about is this idea, go and make disciples so that they might be identified with their creator. Baptism is all about identification. Baptism is all about this idea that I'm connected and I know God and I have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all about identity. And so when he says this, he said, go help people find their identity. Go help them find their purpose. Go and make disciples. And so all of that's in that word go. So last week, we looked at the statement, go and do the same. And if you weren't here, I encourage you to go listen to it on the podcast. And it really was go and show compassion. And, And the challenge, I gave you a challenge, and it was given to each of us to get out of our comfort zone and notice a hurting person. Last week or, you know, the week to come. How many of you say, I did it? Good, good, great. I, I, it's awesome. I did it. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I, you, you might not think this, but I'm an introvert by nature. I am. <laughs> Some of you chuckled. No, really, I am. I, I don't do well in, in uncomfortable settings. I d- if it's new, I, I kind of get an anxiety attack. I mean, even every week when I get up to speak, I have like an anxiety attack. And, and so for me to get out of my comfort zone is a little hard, because once I kind of determine the boundaries, I'm, I'm okay there, you know? Don't push me too far. So then uh, this week, I'm thinking, well, Lord, I gave the challenge. I've got to lead the way. I'm going to do this. So so I'm driving to to do some work uh, on Monday morning, and I'm racing. I'm behind. I'm actually like an hour behind. I mean, I'm like behind the gun. I'm, I'm it's going to... It's going to mess up my whole day. Things aren't going as fast as I wanted them to go. Come on, anybody? Okay. Yeah. And so I'm doing it, and I'm driving down the interstate. As I'm driving down the interstate, I see a car with flashing lights on it, you know, the flashers on. And, you know, it might normal. Sucks to have a flat tire this time of day. (laughs) Right? Come on. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Right? And so I, I go zipping by, you know. Right at the speed limit, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and as I go by, immediately Holy Spirit says, "There's a hurting person," and I dr- and I could see it was a young girl, and I was like, oh, "Okay." So I go by, and I pull out the exit. I was like, "Well, I already went by. I didn't stop. I mean, it was you know, I'd have to back up or I'd have to do. I mean, this is a ha- it's a hassle." <laughs> so then I turn off to go where I'm going, and I'm in the wrong lane, and I'm sitting there, and I'm having this wrestling match in my mind, going, should I, should I, should I, should I? No, 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 don't do it, don't do it. You know, and so finally I, I decided, okay, I'm going to pull into that lane. I did a big, big like one mile circle, and I thought, well, here's, here's what was going on in my mind. By the time I get there, somebody else is going to be there, and I could just drive by. Bye. So I pull all the way around. Sure enough, there's nobody there. And I pull up, and immediately I'm thinking, I, I'm going, she's probably going to think I'm some kind of weirdo stalker thing or something, you know. And, 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 I, and I didn't even know what they say. I just said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> she rolls her window down like this much. What do you want? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, okay. I, I, you know, and, uh, and I said, well, I just, I just drove by, and I thought it looked like you need some help. Do you need some help? She goes, yeah, I need some help. I said, n- looks like, got a flat tire. <laughs> real wise, you know, and, and I said, do you ever you know how to do it? She says, no, I have no idea. And I can't get a hold of anybody. And I said, okay, well, I think I can handle this. So let's just, l- I'll just do it for you. She's like, thanks, thanks, thanks. And so I started doing it, and, and, and I'm pulling it together. And, and, and the whole time, I, I don't know what to say. So I'm just, you know you know, it was awkward, shes l- it was like awkward silence, you know, for moments, and I'm working as hard, and then I realized as I was bending down on Interstate 80 that I was showing a serious plumber problem <laughs> going on here, so, so <laughs> come on, you guys know exactly, yeah, yeah, so then I'm standing up, pulling my pants off, you know, was like, hi, hi, you know, I was just awkward, you know, and Finally, I said, "Well, I have teenage daughter. I have teenage daughters. I understand it, and you know, just just want to help you out, you know." So, hey, she says, "Can I pay you?" "No, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay me anything." I must have looked really poor at that moment, or something. It's <laughs> so. So I, so I did that, and I, and I. She got in. She's like, "Man, I, I, I thank you. I, I, I'm not even going to be late for work. I mean, all this kind of stuff." And she was just overwhelmingly grateful. And as I drove away, and I was like, "Man, that really felt good." do that. It was hard, but it felt good. I, it felt like, wow, that was kind of a, a good moment to be a part of. And so, you know, and then I didn't think about it all week until this week when I got to the note part here that, man, there's, there's an opportunity in front of us all the time to take advantage of it. In just a moment, I'm going to share, though, something about that moment that I think is important to what we're talking about today, all right? So, <coughs> so we talked about go and do the same last week. Now we're going to pick up another one and pick up another idea. And and, and it's another level of this go thing, another go statement from Jesus. And it's kind of taken it to a whole nother category than what we talked about last week. And it's Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. It says this, Jesus speaking, here's a go statement. He goes, go into all the world, go into all the world and preach and preach the good news. And some of you are freaking out right now. I don't want to be a preacher. It's, there's something more about this than just the word preach. The good news to everyone. <coughs> anyone who believes and baptized, again, there's that identity idea, is saved, rescued, personally known by God. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So there's this huge contrast in this go statement from Jesus and really, there's a couple thoughts. One is, it's big. It's into all the world. It's not just one person. It's every person. It's n- not just some people. It's all people. It's not just the ones I like. It's actually the ones I don't like. It's all those. And so all of that. It, and it's critical. I think this, this ghost statement of Jesus is critical that life eternally, eterni- life in eternity is on the line. I mean, it's not just the fact that we're talking about whether or not you're going to go to church with me. We're talking about whether or not you're going to spend eternity with God or separated from God. I mean, all of a sudden, the scope of this becomes huge. It's it's big because it's everyone, but the criticalness and the scope of it is immense. This ghost statement is life-changing for eternity. It has eternal consequences. And so, so, it's an interesting concept for us to wrestle, and so we're, here's what it means. We're commissioned by God to go and proclaim a message. The, the phrase, preach the gospel or preach the good news, if you break it down and you unpack it a little bit, it's really proclaim a message or to be a herald, not like herald, like your name is herald, but like one that proclaims a, a message to someone, or to share the story. That's more maybe, maybe practical to us. Share the story about who Christ is and what he's done in your life. And so when you accept Christ as your Savior, you might not know this, but when you did, if you have, or maybe you're considering it, you are actually signing on with God to be a carrier or a herald or a proclaimer of a message to a dying world. You're in the game now. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is the last words in Mark, and, 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 and he says, go into all the world preach the good news. And so, so when we hear that, here's, here's what I think happens, though, is when it comes to go and proclaim the message, we come up with a lot of excuses why we don't, right? I think maybe the big one is fear, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, but we, why we don't. Why, I mean, okay, Jesus said, go and proclaim the message. Go and preach the good news. Go and be a herald. Share the story. Go and do that. But many times we don't. It's the reality of it. But why don't we? Why, why is that? And <coughs> I think there's some excuses. Let me just hit them real quickly. One is this, and I think this is a big one today, is we try to replace the good news with good deeds. Right now in our culture, there is a real passion to just be good, to be compassionate. There's, there's this idea that, that we're just going to do a lot of good things. We're going to help people that don't have. And, if, and, and it's all good, but when we ignore or neglect the message that changes everything, it actually becomes almost a distraction to what God wants to do. There's a thing out there called a social gospel. In other words, we're just going to treat so people so kindly. That's it. And what we do then is we actually step away from the go and preach the message to just doing good deeds in the good news and so back to my tire changing episode all right so I'm driving away I've kind of got this (laughs) you're awesome you just changed the tire in 12 minutes (laughs) right I mean you are probably that girl's hero for at least the next two hours (laughs) I mean just I mean if you would have ran into me I probably would have boasted maybe right but all of a sudden, I realized, wow. I missed something. I missed something really big because, because I, I I wrestled to say something. And I didn't say anything, not even one little phrase. I mean, other than, yeah, I have two daughters that are like this too. I mean, what a life changing statement. <laughs> I said nothing, and then I drove her away, and I realized that I'd missed the second step, of go. See, the first step of go is compassion. It is seeing the hurting person on the side of the road. That is the first step. But the second step of go, if it's not coupled with the first step, is just a good deed, and that's proclamation. And I realized that I missed the moment. Even if I would have just said, hey, our church has been challenged. I didn't even have to say I was the pastor. I could have just said, hey, our church has been challenged to love people no matter where they're at in the name of Jesus. If I would have just said that, it would have been a proclamation. But I didn't. And so I kind of feel like I was half obedient. I was half obedient in the compassion and the good deed, but I wasn't obedient with the good news. And I realized I kind of missed the opportunity a little bit. So maybe, Lord, if you'd allow me, if she'd have a flat tire again on my path, <laughs> that I would be there. So, so here, here's a, th- a thought that goes with this. Compassion without the message of Christ is just a good deed. Compassion without the message of Christ is just a good deed. I had a missionary friend that just passed away last year. Yeah, it's been about a year now. He's actually, we, we supported him. Jim By was his name. And he was passionate about the things of the Lord. And, and he said, you know, I, I've been all over Africa doing missions work. And he said, a lot of times groups will come in from America or different places that have resources. And they want to give them water. And they want to they provide this. And all that's important because there's a real need. And you need to be compassionate. He said, but many times they would come and they would do that. And they would never, ever, ever share the message. And they were just as bad off with a cup of water in their hand as they were before they ever had the cup of water because the message had never been proclaimed. They were just as lost. They were just as broken. They were just as hurting. The only difference is is they had a cup of water. And he said, not until you couple it with this idea of proclamation of the message does it really matter. And that just echoed in my heart the whole time when he was talking that we've done that. So here's here's the truth that goes with this is that good people don't go to heaven forgiven people do see it's not, a, it's not a good people thing it's not a good people group it's a forgiven group and how am I forgiven because of the message because of Jesus so here's the second one I, I need to go quick, more quicker through these is we don't think we have a story to tell an excuse that many of us maybe use my story isn't that great you know, some of you heard my story. My story is I came out of drugs and alcohol. I was, I was at satanic parties. I mean, it was, I, my my salvation experience and my life before Christ and all that. It was crazy, but it's no different than one that doesn't have that part of it. The bottom line is I was dead, but now I'm alive. I I have a story, and some of us we think we don't have a story to tell. My life's not interesting. My life is ordinary, and we falsely assume that. We're not good enough or smart enough to be used by God. And let me just say it as clear as I can say it. If you've been made new by Christ Jesus, you have a message to tell the world. Period. Here's a verse. First John chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Those who believe, have trusted, have found God personally in the Son of God, have the testimony of God in them. Would you just look at somebody beside you and say, It's already in you. It's already there, all right? A, here's another thought. is some, w- We think someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. I don't have to do it. Somebody else will do it. Somebody better than me. Somebody more capable. And the most common, and this is sad because I'm the target of this, is the pastor will do it. I'm going I'm to somehow lead everybody to a relationship with Christ just doesn't work like that or or you know the church is going to do it or, or my team leader is going to do it or my life group leader is going to do it and when in reality we might be the only person to do it because we're the only person in the place that has that opportunity to do it here's here's a verse that says one of my favorite verses by the way it says Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 it says then I heard the Lord asking Isaiah speaking whom should I see I'm uh, Isaiah is listening here the the Lord was asking whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us and Isaiah responded here am I send me that actually is the, the phrase that I made the deepest heartfelt commitment to be called and fulfill the call of God upon my life here am I send me I'll go i'll go i'm not that capable i'm not that smart i'm not that sharp i don't i don't have it all together i got a lot of stuff yet to work through but here am i send me i'll do it so lord i'm the one here's the here's the next one is we we have an excuse that we think it's based on our own abilities it's based on our own ability here another you can say this is person next to you you're not that good just go ahead and tell them I mean, go on. You just got to let them know. You're not that good. (laughs) But somehow we think it's about our ability. Somehow we think we're going to make it happen. We think we have to make it happen in our own power. And too many times we remove ourselves from going because we think it's about our ability. And we mistakenly don't understand it's all really about His. See, it's not about our ability, it's actually about our availability and God's ability. It's the power. The power is in the message, not in the messenger. That's where the power's at. The good news is not your news, it's his news. It's, it's not about me. I'm a living witness to the greatest story ever told, and the story isn't about me. It's about him. So, so by the way, this is where a lot of fear comes I think I have to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. Only God can make it happen. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 1. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, notice when the Holy Spirit, you're, you're going to get something from God, telling people everywhere, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In other words, the authority and ability comes from God, not you. So, so just wrestle with those maybe a little bit. So let me give you three things to consider when proclaiming the message, all right? Three things to consider, and I think this will help all of us to do it better all right to actually be available for God to do this and here's the first one is that we need to make our mess his message or make your mess your message how many of you like to say that your past has been a mess right yeah so you're like <laughs> 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 you know and and the reality is is most of us in this room would clearly see that we have a messiness about us. And that God, in His grace and in His ability to change that which is broken and messed up and use it for His glory, wants to do that in your life. He wants to take your mess and make it your message. But I've got to make it available. I've got to come to that place. And say, God wants to say something to the world through you and your story. God wants to use you. What you've been through, what you've faced, what you've had to wrestle with, the mistakes, the junk, all the stuff, God wants to use that for his glory. Actually, he he weaves himself through that mess to reveal himself as a God of grace, that he would use our mess for the message. See, your life might seem like a train wreck and maybe it, it, it looked like a train wreck before Christ, but God has a way of using the train wreck's of our lives to reveal the glory and the grace of who he is make your mess your message philippians chapter 1 verse 12 says this says it this way my dear friends i want you to know that what has happened to me has helped to spread the good news in other words the craziness the messiness the upside down the the things that i've had to go through the things that happened all those kind of things god wants to use your mess proclaim his message let him do it and maybe the mess that you've been in and and god has brought you through he's going to use it as a springboard to proclaim the message to others and i believe with all my heart that god can use any situation for his glory i believe that whole i don't, I don't think there's such a thing as a situation that god can't use that i'm not saying that god approves of it and he accepts it and he condones it and he's all I'm not saying that, I'm saying that God can use the messes of your life to proclaim His message. I got to let Him. That's the first thing. Here's the second one: Is it make your message or His message your motive? In other words, why should I? I mean, why should I? Why why should I be here? Am I send me? Why should I be willing to even be a part of this? I mean, come on. What's wh- who cares? I mean, I don't even know if I like those people. I don't even know if I want to be a part of that. Who What's the motive? But see, we need to let his message become our motive. And let me just kind of give you a couple becausees. Because of love. Because of love. That's the motive. It's the, it's the motive that goes beyond everything else. It says, 2 Corinthians five fourteen. I don't think this is in your notes, but Paul said this way, he said, The love of Christ compels me. In other words, it catapults me into this place that I can't help but, because I've been loved so much, I have to love. Because I've been overwhelmed and overcome by the goodness and the mercy and the grace of a loving God, I can't help but share the same message with those around me. Because he has loved me so much, I can't help but want others to experience the same love. That's, that's another one, first one. Here's, here's another because. Because without a message, there is no hope. Because without the message, there is no hope. It's a good deed. It's a smile, it's an arm rubbing together, but without a message, there is no hope. Check out this verse in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. It says, everyone who calls, on, calls help God, gets help. Thank, thank the Lord for that. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How, how can they even do that? And it goes on, and how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? How can they, how can they even remotely begin to find hope and, and freedom and, and, and find that personal, how, how can they even get there? And it goes on, it says, and how can they hear if nobody tells them? And then verse 17, jumping down, the point is, before you trust, you have to listen. Before you trust, you have to listen. But unless Christ's words is preached, there is nothing to listen to. So the because, <laughs> without a message, there is no hope. Here's, a, here's another one. It's because my life and the way I live matters. His message is my motive. Here, here's, here's what the thought is, is that the way I live actually gives witness, my witness greater validity. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Above all else, Everything else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. What's that mean? It means that, that the motive of why you should live your life in a certain way is that your life and how you live would give greater validity and power to the witness that you're proclaiming. So all of a sudden now, what it's saying is, because his message is my motive, I'm going to check myself at the door and ask myself, "And what I'm doing causing somebody to stumble? Is my freedom causing somebody to stumble in their spiritual journey?" So it needs to be asked, because that's the motive. Here's the third thought: is to make his method your method. So your mess becomes your message. <laughs> his message becomes your motive, and make his method your method. Notice what Jesus said, Luke four, t- 4, verse 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the, pro- to the poor, and he actually says to proclaim freedom to the captives, to set captives, prisoners free, give sight to the blind. That's what he said, and and so Jesus is saying, here's the deal. I'm here. I'm going to do this. Watch me. I'm going to model it and show you how to do it. And let me just give you just a real quick snapshot picture of what Jesus did because Jesus is the ultimate model. With the blind and the sick, here's what he did. Here's the model. Here's the method. He met their felt needs first. In other words, he brought healing. He brought acceptance. He, he, he met them with their felt need. If they were hungry, he didn't say, hey, Get out of here. Come back when you're not like this. He, he met the need. He fed the people. He, he, did, he healed the sick. He, he touched that which was the need of the people first. It always starts with compassion. He touched and met the felt needs. And by the way, meeting felt needs always gives you audience or builds a bridge so that you can have the proclamation time that God wants you to have. So it's all part of the story. That's what he did. Here's another thing that he did with the woman at the well, and at Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Both of these people were sketchy, right? Let's just say it that way. The woman at the well she she had several husbands and was living with a guy, and she was just kind of out there. Zacchaeus had been a cheat; he'd been robbing people as a tax collector. These weren't like the most lovable people. But what he did is he engaged them where they were. He engaged them. He accepted them, not because he approved or condoned or, or said, "What you're doing is fine, but because he realized that there was a value here that I needed to engage, even went out of his way to engage them, that he would engage them where they lived. Here's, a, here's another thing that he did, is that Jesus, in his method, he asked spiritual questions. Here's one: Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? It's a great, I mean, just, he was a master at the questions. Who do they say I am? He was always asking questions. He was always probing for an answer. He was looking for a response. He was looking so that he might be able to have that conversation with a question. He asked spiritual questions. With a woman caught in adultery, he actually introduces her to undeserved grace. Grace. With Nicodemus, Jesus shared the truth of life in love. But with everybody, he invited them to make a decision. Come, follow, trust. It was a proclamation of a story. So let me close with this. How to share your message, all right? Let's see if we can figure this out. Some practical steps to proclaiming the message of Jesus. First Peter chapter 3 says this, Be ready at all times. So there might be a moment in the next two hours that you're going to have to share your story. You're, you're going to say, wow, it, what, a, what a timing. I just walked through this with, with this in church. To answer everyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have in you. In other words, what's happened to you? What's happening in you and through you? What, what, what's going on here? They so see your life, now you're, you're living it in such a way that they go, hey, what's going on with you? And you're ready to tell them. And notice that last little phrase, do it with gentleness and respect. So I think as I read that, what that means is don't stand at the, at the front door of your office with a big placard that says, repent or you'll go to hell. Okay? I'm just thinking that's what that maybe means. is that I'm going to treat people with gentleness and respect. It's not a club over the head it's love and it's a hug it's it's an engaging it's a meeting of felt need it's asking questions it's giving undeserved grace it's it's reviewing truth with love it's all those things so how do you do it here here's four real quick steps and there's parts of this first is to share your before and after story if you've given your life to christ you have a before and after story i used to be this but now i'm this I once was this, but because of Jesus, I'm now this. And there's three parts of that story. There is the before Christ part, and I wouldn't spend a lot of time there because you don't want to glorify the devil, but you'd say, hey, I, man, I had a drug addiction. I had an alcohol addiction. I was selfish. I was, I was consumed with money. I was whatever it is that your sinful nature made apparent, that before Christ, I was this. And then there's the encounter with Christ. You actually say, but this is what happened. I actually went to Southridge and the guy was talking about this and all of a sudden I realized man that he's talking to me and and I realized that I needed to surrender my life and I had an encounter with the Lord personally and you just share the story and then you share your life after Christ before and after and really what it is is my amazing grace story I once was lost but now I found I once was blind but now I see and it's your story and nobody can take it away from you so go for it Share your story. Share your story. Before and after. Here's the next one. is Share your life lessons. Share your life lessons. God has shown me this, and I'm gonna, I, can I share that with you? Hey, you know, it sounds like you're going through this. Can I just share what God's showing me? Just share it. Share the story that you've learned as God has revealed himself along the way. Share the stories about your failures. Share the stories about family and how to do family right and how you did it wrong and all those kind of things. Share your stories about the feelings that God had to bring to the surface. Share your stories about faith. Just share them. Share your life lessons. Here's here's another one. Share your new pursuits. That God has placed something in your heart that since you gave your life to Christ, all of a sudden now you realize that God wants to use you, and this is how he wants to use me. I used to be focused on myself, but because of Jesus, now I'm focused on this. I have new priorities. Share your new priorities. What I once considered important now is unimportant. That's actually a scripture. Because I'm, I'm new in who I am, I'm going to share that. And here's the big one, is share the good news. Share the good news of Jesus. It's all because of this. The most important part is the story of change without Christ. is just a story of self-will. If you tell a story about how you changed and Jesus isn't part of it, really you're just glorifying yourself. But if you tell the story about how God has changed me and I was broken, I was bruised, I was lost, I was all those things, then all of a sudden it becomes something grander than that. So I put in your notes the good news story, right? Here's the good news story. The good news story goes simply like this. One, I am, you are divinely created for an intimate relationship with God. Every person in this room is in this category. You are created in the image of God, and because of the image of God, God has shaped you and made you in a spiritual fashion that you might be able to have a relationship with him. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Number two is that I am completely separated from a holy God because of, say it, my sin. Not their sin, not your sin, my sin. I'm the sinner. I'm the one that separated myself from God. It's already in me from birth because of Adam and Eve's sin. It was transferred to me. I didn't have to learn it. It was already part of who I am. And because of that, I am completely separated there is nothing good in me i am undone and unworthy i am broken i am dead i am separated i am all those things that's the truth number three is i am deeply loved in spite of my brokenness there is a passion and a compassion from heaven that loves you beyond what you can imagine to the point of self-sacrificing a son on the cross to say, this is how much I love you. This is how much I care about you. The depth of this love is, is unreachable. You are deeply, deeply loved by God. And lastly, is that I am fully accepted by faith. Nothing else in Jesus. I'm fully accepted because I just simply trusted him. I, it wasn't that I believed in an idea. I actually said, Lord, I give you my life. It's such a mess. Lord, would you make it something beautiful? Let's pray. Maybe today you're here and you have never heard that message, the good news. And you'd like your mess to become a message, but right now it's just a mess. Right now the motives of your life are all over the place. There's, There's no focus. There's no priority. And see, the simple step is this, is that you would reach out to the Lord, Jesus, right now. That You would know, hey, I'm created for a relationship. I'm separated because of my sin. I am loved undeservedly by a God that was willing to sacrifice his own son for me on a cross, and I simply accept that by faith today. And he makes me new. If that's you, you say I want to accept Christ today as my Lord and my Savior, would you just wave your hand at me so I know who I'm praying for? You're just saying that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, yeah. Lord, every hand that was raised, I simply pray this prayer, Lord, I'm a sinner. And apart from your love and your mercy and your grace in my life, I am separated forever from you. But right now, I accept the work of the cross in my life, not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, but simply because I trust you in your love. Lord, restore me in Jesus' name.